0: And now listen to God's word as it comes to us from Psalm 46, verses 1 through 7. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of the city. It shall not be moved. God will help it when the morning dawns. The nations are in an uproar. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Amen. And from the gospel lesson this morning, as it comes to us from the gospel of Mark, chapter 8, verses 27 to 38. Listen for the word of God as it touches your hearts, your minds, and your very souls. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? Who do they say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist. Others, Elijah, and still others, well, one of the prophets. Jesus asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Messiah. And he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again he said all this quite openly and peter peter took him aside and began to rebuke him but turning and looking at his disciples jesus rebuked peter and said get behind me satan for you are setting your mind not on divine things but on human things he called the crowd Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Just a few verses before we read this morning in Mark's text. Mark's Mark pronounced some of the opinions of who Jesus is that the folks heard. And... and, and those that were associated with Herod, people had only heard of Jesus by reputation. Herod himself adopted the incorrect opinion that, that we know that what we know is furthest from the truth. Jesus is John the Baptist return. Ah. Now Now Jesus asked the disciples, what the common opinion of who he is?" They repeat the the views that are already listed in the previous episode. John the Baptist, Elijah, one of the prophets. Jesus then puts the same question to those disciples. And Peter replies, the Messiah. This confession is the first correct human statement about Jesus's identity in the gospel. The shouted confessions of the demons that Jesus had to silence are now replaced by human witness. The term Messiah or Christ or Christos in the Greek was used as a Christological confession of Jesus' identity by Mark's community. Mark reflects early Christian confessions that treat Messiah as an indication of the unique role that Jesus played in salvation history. The silence command that concludes this episode applies explicitly to the confession that Jesus is the Messiah. There is an assumption that the the point of the command when it relates to that title, that Christological title, is to acknowledge the gap between the pre-Easter Jesus and the risen Lord. The crucified and risen Jesus is the only one who can be designated Lord and Messiah. Let me say that again. The crucified and risen Jesus is the only one who can be designated Lord and Messiah. So so Jesus' lack of praise for the confession demonstrates a couple things. That the disciples are superior to the crowds in their understanding of who Jesus is. God has let them know the answer to that question. But the command to tell no one is introduced with the verb verb rebuke, epitomeo in the Greek, it's the same verb that Mark uses to describe Jesus' response when the demons acknowledge him as son of God. So, so the rebuke does not dispute the correctness that the title is spoken or been, being used. The, the issue with Jesus has is that the confession is inappropriate. Inappropriate because of the time because it's prior to the passion, inappropriate because of the context, it's not done as an exorcism or healing, and or who the witnesses are. You see, the disciples just don't understand that suffering lies at the heart of Jesus' mission, and they are no more able to use the titles Messiah, Christos, son of God correctly than the demons are however there is one point Jesus will accept both of those titles publicly when he's interrogated by the Sanhedrin I've often been struck in the passage by by the way that Jesus reacted to the disciples especially to Peter I've often wondered why. But as I wrote this sermon back when I had COVID in my bedroom, I began to think about this a little bit more carefully, a little, a little bit more closely. And, and, and it, it, I came to the conclusion it really separates Christianity from other religions. You see, Christianity is not a religion of ethics. Ethics don't save us. Sure, sure, ethics is an outpouring and a result of our faith and of the one that we follow, but it is not our faith. Christianity, as the name points to, or as Luther would claim, our faith drives to Christ. I believe this to be a profound statement in that we can claim this Jesus to be the Son of God, Messiah, God incarnate. That's the very point. Like I've said numerous times before, it's the very foundation of our belief structure. You can follow all the tenets of faith you can follow all the teachings. You can do all the right things. You can live the right way. You can love immensely, but that does not make one a Christian. Our confession that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, that He is God incarnate, God made flesh, He is the reason why we are on this journey. He is the reason why we are in a relationship with God that drives us to a prophetic faith. And it's in that prophetic faith that we search, that we, that we look for, that we find the appropriate words. We, we recognize that the word is the word from the Lord. And it's in that word that we find that the gospel And this book is not a fixed message, but one that is true and leading us forward. The word doesn't change, but our knowledge and understanding changes. It changes with our conditions and attempts to address those conditions. The Spirit opens our, our, our eyes, our, our hearts, our minds, our very souls to everything and everyone around us we see better, we see clearer, we love more, we we change, our hearts change, our minds change, but the word never does. I think back to September 11th and the day of that tragedy. I I remember on the 21st floor of Mellon Bank building. I, I remember the fearful sight of fighter jets crisscrossing over the Mellon Bank building and Liberty Place 1 and 2, they were the three tallest buildings in Philadelphia. Not nearly as tall as the World Trade Centers, but bigger than Liber- the, uh, uh, the other buildings. Somber and the quiet ride home on the train that was packed full but no voices. I remember gathering for worship at the Roman Catholic Church in town because it was the only one that could accept the most people in the community. That the service was attended by most of the community. That it was ecumenical. That people didn't care what your political persuasion or a religious affiliation was. We, we gathered together, shoulder to shoulder, hand in hand in one voice, the voice of unity, voice of caring, love, but mostly hope, mostly hope. Tragedy does that to us. Tragedy does that to us. We, we forget our differences and, and put aside everything to come together. We do it every time there is a disaster. When something bad happens, it's in a tragedy that, that we are brought together. As President Bush said, in the solidarity of, of grief, grief and grace, the actions of an enemy, the audacity of evil ever reveal the spirit of who we are. When something bad happens, when there's death, when there's destruction, when there's loss, we come together as a people. We support each other. We we lend a hand. We give of ourselves. We offer a shoulder to cry on, a warm embrace, a kind word spoken or written. We are compassionate and loving we are empathetic in our nature, and we offer hope. Together, we do what is best for the welfare of all, for the good of our neighbors. We come together in our collective tragedies. Today, today, I believe that we perch on a precipice. Yes, I believe that we perch on a precipice. There is tragedy all around us as we recall 9-11. We celebrate the end of a 20 year war. In the midst of being ravaged by 18 months, 19 months of COVID-19, watching the destruction of a hurricane after hurricane, the last one being Ida. Millions suffering from wildfires out west and the impact of drought throughout this world. Millions suffering from flooding on the, just on the east coast. Millions suffering from hunger and loss. We gaze from the precipice. And you and I must choose if how, if and how we are going to come together or if we're going to continue that chirping thing that we do or that disdain that we have for them. Even our hatred of each other for whatever reason it might be. Friends, friends, unfortunately we are at our best when we are in the midst of tragedy, the refiner's fire will either consume us or we will come out of this better than we are. We need to remember those words of Psalm 46 that we read this morning. God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear Though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult. It's in these moments that we turn back to God and to take refuge in God. Hear, listen to Jesus calling It's that's when we come face to face with Jesus. It's then we profess the great confession. However, if we we profess that Jesus is Lord and Savior, but we do not feed the hungry or help those in need or those that are facing injustice, we are not confessing Christ. If we profess that Jesus is Lord and Savior, but we don't love all of our neighbors, and that's regardless of their age or their gender, their sexuality, their status, their size, their their political beliefs, we are not confessing Christ. Regardless of how loud or how often we profess he is Messiah, Son of God, Son of Man. We should think of how salvation comes to be present in our lives through Jesus. Like I said, the very foundation of our faith is found in the incarnate Jesus. Jesus confronts us with the necessity of suffering, and most people react exactly like Peter. The necessity of suffering is not simply a pious desire to imitate Jesus. Much of what is truly worthwhile can be accomplished only by those who are willing to trust Jesus and his words that suffering belongs to God's plan. For God knows we come together, together in that suffering. And we must resist The evil that tries to tear us apart and distract us, it does. Jesus sets out the challenge for us to think as God does, not as human beings normally do. It's in that messianic secret, the first one that we read this morning, in Mark 8.31 and 9.31 and 10.32, warns us that there's a cost to following the one that we call Jesus. And it is the only way that we come to know God and God's love for us. Yes, God's love for us. That is why I close each Sunday service, each Sunday morning service with John 3.16, Deuteronomy 6.5, and Leviticus 19.18. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that same son reminded us to love the Lord God with all our hearts, minds, soul, and strength and our neighbors as ourselves. I believe, I believe with my whole heart those words to be the very essence and credo of who we are and what we are to believe. And then, and only then, we, we know how we are to live and to love. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Ken Goodrich, and I'm humbled that you took the time to listen to this podcast. I pray that the Holy Spirit moves you to ministry, and that if you don't have a church home, that you are able to find one. Please feel free to tune in on Tuesdays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 12.20 p.m. for our Bible studies, on Thursdays at 10 a.m. for our Learning Center courses, and of course on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. for our worship. Just go to fpclc.org to see all our various programs and events. Thanks again, and God bless you, and keep you safe. May God embrace you and keep you in his countenance, peace.